Hi, this is Jay Todd Anderson, and you are listening to an archival episode of Filmically Perfect. The, uh, the sound of the boxers in the background, and that's uh, not as opposed to briefs. That is uh, acting out the film guys, uh, part of the opening sequence to our movie that brings us here today. What is this? It's Filmically Perfect on 91.3 WYSO. Hi, I'm Nikki Dakota, and joined in the studio today, live and in person, all the way from Culpeper, Virginia, he is the nitrate film archivist for the Library of Congress. A kid from Culpeper. <laughs> Our man at the Library of Congress. He's George Willeman. George, welcome. Dan, I ain't pulling any punches. No, no. <laughs> no, no. no, no. Also in the studio, live and in person, 20 years and counting. He's been the storyboard God, artist. Get the phone, Nikki. <laughs> the phone's ringing. <laughs> storyboard artist for the Coen Brothers and many, many other films as well. We call him friend and J. Todd Anderson. J. Todd. That's uh, really <laughs> wonderful up here. There's actually today. no one that speaks in this way in, in the movie. Uh, it's really wonderful to be here today. <laughs> We're talking about Raging Bull, which is the perfect movie that brings us all here on this day, on this occasion. Raging Bull, 1980s uh, Robert De Niro uh, movie. I'm full, I'm full, sure I'm full. <laughs> Directed by Martin Scorsese. Oh, what a picture, Hey, can man. we settle this now? Is it Martin Scorsese or Scorsese? It's actually Martin Blumenfeld. <laughs> no, yeah. I, I believe it's Scorsese. Scorsese. Because I've heard it both ways, and it seems like it used to be Scorsese, but then everyone's gotten all like hip and, and happening, and they started to say Scorsese. But yeah, either way, we know him. What's that? I wish I would have said that. Yeah. It's just Marty, what it is. Marty. Marty directed this film. Um, and indeed, it is It is formidable. There's a lot going on in this movie. I want a picture. There's almost too much to talk about in this movie. Um, right, so we should just give up now. Yeah, we'll quit. <laughs> Thank you. Good night. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> talk about no, Soldier on. Listen, I enjoyed night. it so much. I watched it through once and then uh, began to watch it with commentary, but unfortunately it was so late at night that I actually fell asleep. But that's not a commentary. Did you watch it with your kids? No, no. Good. No, it's not a. <laughs> this is a put the kids to bed yeah, uh, film, but uh, still very, very good. And we need to remind all of us that indeed this is not just some willy nilly fly by night list of movies that uh, George and Jay Todd just pick randomly from the movie Orchard Tree. It is... Uh, no, we have no. a very, very serious board of uh, appreciative... Right, but, you know, Bud Inski keeps trying to make it capricious. He has this... <laughs> he got. He bought this old bingo machine, you know, the big uh, big oh, sure, the cage you, with the balls in it. When you crank And he wrote them. a movie title on each ball and he pulls it out and goes, we're going to do Porky's 2 the next day. No. 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 <laughs> so we got him locked in a closet And we upstairs. say, don't make us come down there. <laughs> don't make Luckily. us come down there. Throw your bingo machine all over the Floor. Luckily, the suits have to go over it first. Yeah, and the suits, and then when they <laughs> process it, it's like hamburger. But I think if it's, we send it up to one of those pneumatic tubes that comes up to George and I's office up there, and we interrupt what we're doing, and we and then we put it in the tube. And we say, "This is what we're doing. We're doing Raging Bull this week." Go home. And it has passed the test. And gentlemen, remind us what these very strict rules are. 
Yeah, well, Raging Bull is a perfect movie because it creates the world it exists in. And it wholly sustains that world. And regardless of changes in society, it retains its, whoa, meaning, oh, its entertainment value, whoa, and it's rule number four. <laughs> a perfect movie is never placed in any preferential or numerical order. Each film is perfect by its own scale. Ding, 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 and the winner is Raging Bull movie. is a yes. perfect movie. <laughs> Raging Bull is a perfect movie. It's, a, it's, a, it's in black and white, notable, because in 1980, certainly uh, they had the technology to make Black and color. white was dead in <laughs> 1980. Yeah. Well, the the documentary features will tell you why they chose black and white because of the what they were trying to emulate the era of um, when all these fights were taking place, which was the 40s and 50s, and that's all you remember on television is how they looked, and um, not too many people remember them in color because you'd have to go to them personally to see them. Most of the Friday night fights that came on television were always in black and white. Right. And I mean, it wasn't chose. until what the seventies or maybe even eighties that black and white tele- uh, television finally, you know, gave, gave over. Gave color. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, Sixty-eight, sixty-nine. They started busting on through with color, but uh, Friday Night Fights will always be remembered in black and white. And he, he mentions quite a bit about how the blood just doesn't look quite right uh, because the gloves were red and you couldn't couldn't really see the blood. On yeah, the he, he says uh. that in, in the documentary. Uh, well, and I know that he was he was inspired very much on this film by several uh, late '40s uh, boxing films, probably like the setup. And I know it was a four. Oh, Kirk Douglas, the one that he was. Oh, doing. champion, champion, and he becomes a real jerk. <laughs> huh. Well, you know there is a, a lot happening in this film, but George, will you do your little voodoo of giving us the uh, the overview, the synopsis, the, uh, the 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 series of events that do occur in this yeah, perfect yeah, film? Yeah. <laughs> um, the film is basically um, a biographical portrait of the boxer Jake Lamata. Um, a real person. He's a real person. He's still alive. He's a real boxer. He's a real boxer. He's a um, and he was noted for just being just tough i mean he could take a beating and he could give a beating you know i mean he was really a vicious vicious fighter and uh they took his book and uh the great paul schrader uh took jake lamata's book and turned it into the screenplay for his autobiography right yeah and so the basically the story follows jake through his early career all the way up into the 60s when uh, when he opened a, a nightclub or excuse me, in the 50s he opened a nightclub, and then that kind of went south, and he actually ends up in jail at one point. And then in the 60s, when he's trying to claw his way back, doing some stand-up routines and talking about his career. See, and and it's so funny to me. I would have not thought that boxing and and stand-up comedy skills would would be very often visited (laughs) in the same individual. It's interesting how many boxers actually did kind of do some show business turns. I mean, Slapsy Maxie Rosenblum did a lot of uh, comedies for Columbia. Yeah, I think he did some stuff. Um, I guess he was a showman, man. He could do it. He could go 15 rounds. Towel off and tell jokes. He was that good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Joe Lewis uh, did a couple films, and of course George Foreman sells. George Foreman sells girls. Yeah, he sells. <laughs> he sells and uh, oh, who is it? Who's in the Lean, uh, Lean in, Mean Grilling Machine? Yeah. Who's the guy who's in? The, he's in the Fifth Element. Plays the president. Um, oh, was he a boxer? He's I didn't a boxer realize too. that. His name? He does a good job in that. Yeah, but I mean, he's a boxer too. You can tell his, his eyes are kind of messed up. Oh, now see, I'll have to watch it again because I love to watch that movie over and over. And now I'll, I'll see it with some new eyes. So he he starts out, and and I mean, it's really a, a just a almost torturous path that he, you know, he 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 gets the gets the title, gets the belt. Uh, weight is this big issue. He he woos the woman, and 
and leaves his wife and they're just like, everybody wants a piece of him you know everybody right. wants to control him uh and the essence of this picture is control the only time he's really in control is when he's in the, in ring. the ring and that's it there is no no way of keeping any kind of balance for this human being outside the ring he is as pure as they come right. and only when he's in the ring and he has a limited lifespan on this because he's a boxer do we see him run like a racehorse, you know, uh, in, in its prime. And M- Martin Scorsese does this with just just a, a brilliance. He makes this guy. You'll see that a lot of stuff in the ring, uh, how he controls, um, you know, slow motion. And uh, when he's looking at somebody, it's always in slow motion. But when he's fighting, it's fast. Yeah, um, and it, it's like if it's, if this film was a musical, the fight scenes would be the dance numbers because they're so choreographed. Oh, so that's choreographed. and I must I must oh, say yeah. that this yeah. movie is one of the nicest cut movies, and I will make this pronouncement on the show. Thelma Schumacher is God. <laughs> <laughs> she is one of the greatest living editors. George, did I pronounce her name correctly? I believe Schumacher is correct. Yes. That this woman is one of the greatest living editors of our time. She, she cut this picture like nobody before or after has cut a boxing movie. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I mean it's well directed. We're not taking that away from Scorsese and the music and everything, but once in a while, once every thousand years, an editor comes along, you know, and, and shows you how it's done. Well, it's Thelma shows you how to do it. Plus, movie. I mean, they've been working together for a long, long time. He's, she's her, his only editor, correct? Right. I, I think mean, they, to this day, right? yeah, I believe they, it looks like they met when they were both editing Woodstock. Really? He was, she was an editor and he was like her, her assistant, I believe. Her story or, about how she became an editor is absolutely fantastic, how she answered an ad in the newspaper. <laughs> Just listening to this woman talk about well, how she got into the movie. And like I said, later on in her career, she ends up marrying uh, Michael Powell, the great British director, in, in his later years. And uh, and she did a lot of work, not not so much work for him because he was pretty much done as a director, but she kind of, they would, they would go around and he would give presentations. And, and that's how Scorsese got involved with uh, bringing Michael Powell's films back to public notice. Things like Black Narcissus, and Tales of Hoffman, the Red Shoes, yeah. stuff like that. When you, um, of course, Robert De Niro is doing a fabulous job in this movie, and and, uh, and then you know the direction is is just fine, but all of a sudden there's this evolution that grows in this picture of character, and it's through the editing. You know, you're looking through the ropes, through these flames that Martin Scorsese set up to make it look like. As it progresses, his life becomes more like this hellish thing. And although it's it, these guys are all working it as a, as a brilliant team, not one shot is cut out of place in this picture. Wouldn't you agree there, George? Oh, yeah, 100%. Uh, it's just watching this thing is just, you know, that's the beautiful thing about editing is you don't really notice it because you're sucked into because, of the, you know, that's cinematic purity is when somebody's editing, you know. It's so funny. It's like a, a book can be called a page turner. This is like a... Frame turner. Uh, a frame turner. You know, <laughs> yeah. It's one of those when I sat down I didn't wanna yeah. you know, didn't wanna walk away. It does really catch you up in the story. And, and the thing is I think it's it's almost like watching a car accident because he's so awful. He is. He's a, he's a horrible he's human. He's a visceral, being. visceral he's human. Vicious. Being, I boy. mean, even his brother, even his brother who's, who's uh, Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci, one of that's one of Joe Pesci's first big roles. And uh, I mean, even his brother tells you can't continue living like an animal. You know, you've gotta stop this, you know. And of course later on he totally alienates his brother. 
Yeah. Because, you know, he gets the idea that, that his brother and, and his wife are fooling around. Of course, you know, he cheated on his wife yeah. and dumps her. Plus he was... And, and marries this chickie who's uh, played by uh, Kathy Moriarty in her first big role. She does a great job. And, and by the really way, great. what else did she do? <laughs> Nothing before then. She was only I think like her 16 first, yeah. or 17 years old. I but what think. else has she done since? Because oh, I'm not familiar with you her. Know, oh, uh, a couple movies I really like that she's in. She's in Soap Dish. Yeah. Oh, she's really great. I've got to see that. Yeah, I got to work with her years ago in second unit, and she yeah. was a lot of fun. Aww. very professional woman, you know. Casper, um, she's in Casper. She plays like the evil, the evil woman who wants the house, and oh. and she ends up getting killed at the end. But she's really wonderful and horrible in that. So he basically, the brother Joe Pesci's character, had actually dated this young girl, and she was very young. Mm-hmm. But then, but then, just quick, and then the brother, the um. De Niro character ends up leaving his wife for this woman, and, and then worrying that that Pesci Pesci is, has been been having you know fast well, times he's, with he's, her. Mm-hmm. He walks from his house all the way over to his brother's house and beats him up in, in front, front of the kids. In front of the kids, yeah. Well, he's totally delusional, and it's not because of so many hits to the head. It's just because this world that he works in, what gives him great deals of success and and reinforces who he is in life is not there outside the ring. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do this, you know, all of a sudden this this film, the form in this film loosens up from a shot perspective when he's outside the ring. But it's, it, and, they, and they do this very, very fascinating thing where they juxtapose the original images of the film with the commercials they had past Blue Ribbon or whatever on the television set. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're watching the television set, within cuts, you're in this fight, and you're at the level that they want you to be at, his level in hell. And then it gets even worse. It's almost like he's still in the ring, only he's in front of these people telling jokes. And one of the most, my favorite images is of him taking the his championship belt and knocking oh. all the rubies yeah, out of it and that. taking them in there to get money for him. He says, it's no good without the belt. Jake, and now he's know. ruined the belt to get right. the rubies out. It's so tragic. But it's, well, here I, it is. He's this fighter. He's this juggernaut, this fighting machine that has no element anymore. But he's still behaving. They're still laughing at him like they cheered for him in the screen, you know, yeah. in the ring. And they're, now they're laughing at him. Yeah, you're funny. Ha, ha, ha. We're talking about Raging Bull, the 1980 uh, Martin Scorsese film starring Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci. And also, by the way, um, in this uh, cast of characters, the guy who was the current boyfriend of the... Tell me her name again. I just can't. Kathy Moriarty. Uh, yes. The current um, boyfriend of her character is the same guy who, along with Pesci and De Niro, shows up later in Goodfellas. Oh, yeah. Frank he's, Vincent. He's dead in the trunk at the he's beginning of the uh, movie. He's Sopranos, too, I believe. Oh, is that right? So there's a certain, I guess, once you've been uh, he's uh, great. Uh, an think... Italian mafioso type, you, you can be that, I guess, forever. As long well, as I Martin think, Scorsese is alive and directing well, films. Well, yeah, Scorsese, is, he's, he's one of the best at, at sort of portraying this, the New York Italian community, which, of course, this is all about the New York Italian community, the, the clubs, the, the uh, you know, well, they, well, what, he ends up beating up Frank Vincent in a car door and smashing him, smashing him, and then at the club, at the, you know, the special Italian club, they have to shake hands and everything's okay. Right, in front of the Don, who mm-hmm. like, is like the kind mm-hmm. of the, the You know, and then, of course, character. it's interesting because LaMotta, as talented as he is, again, you're saying that he's, he's totally, you know, the boxing is, is all he's got at, at that time. You know, the whole part where he throws the fight. Now, when he knows me, he I, could win. I didn't understand that, I have to Not say. Not going down, Ray. Yeah, it's just, it's just that, again, it shows you what a frail person he could be it's kind of like tearing up the the belt, you know. He thinks it's, it's very spur of the moment. He's thing. got these principles that well, only he understands. Yeah, because they told him, you know, if you throw this fight, 
then we'll see that you get the championship later on. Okay. And he's okay, fine. And he goes, and then of course he gets caught and he gets thrown out completely out of the. Because you can tell game. he's not trying. He's not even putting his hands right. up. And and he, and he gets completely, you know, and they go after him and they find that he's guilty and they they send him down for it. Yeah. You know, so. Nick was, uh, cos- how do you say that, George? Colisario, Nick was. It was like Col- Colasanto. He's the 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 Don guy or the mafia guy who was the the dumbhead. <laughs> Bartender. Coach. In, he uh, played cheer. coach on Cheers. And he plays this really wonderful thing that nobody questions. Come on, guys, make up, you know, and mm-hmm. it's beautiful work there. Yeah, that's right. That was coach from Cheers. And you always think, well, that guy must have actually been a little bit soft in the brain, but no, he actually <laughs> delivers a very different character. Also, there. The, this thing was uh, uh, written by Paul Schrader. I was saying Paul Schrader. The great Paul Schrader, who has one of the greatest quotes. I hope I can get this right. He always said, the trick to. To the creative process is being able to laugh at your own embarrassment. Huh. That's what I always remember by Paul Schrader. And he's done some marvelous, marvelous work. I don't yeah, he's, he, again, is another one who's worked a lot with Scorsese, all the way back to uh, Taxi Driver and uh, and this one. He did and this film that George and I really appreciate called Hardcore which was Scott. Which you were telling very me a little bit about. Very disturbing. Movie. Very yeah. disturbing. Movie. Which a lot, a lot deals with his sort of his um, reformed Dutch upbringing, and it's um, George. Yeah, George C. Scott is this very, very devout uh, reformed Dutch father whose daughter disappears and ends up in the really sleazy underworld of, of pornography, and how he goes sort of undercover himself to go get her to go and get her. It's it's a pretty grueling film. Well, so that maybe he it, it, or, or is all of his work along He's the grueling line. Guy. A lot of his grueling. <laughs> well, he did Last <laughs> Temptation of Christ, you know. And, oh, my. Uh, I mean, he, this guy's pushing the envelope all the time, and uh, he's a very thoughtful person. He's always, always pushing that cinematic experience to its absolute potential. Right, and uh, Mishima, the story of the, the Japanese um, author who uh, committed harakiri, is, is pretty amazing because hmm. it's all in Japanese. You know, and subtitles. And, you can and Philip Glass did the music, as we were talking about <laughs> Philip Glass, and it's a pretty amazing little film. Often mis mis uh, categorized with the martial arts movies at your local video store. We're talking about Rage and Bull, and we did uh, touch on it going in. This is not a family movie. This uh, it's nope. it's brutal. It's no, but you want to watch. If you want to watch a movie that's deep, yeah. and to the point, and. Uh, Makes a lot of statements on you know, professional athletes and what they're for and how they make money. Uh, just, just this guy's story is enough. Uh, well, his story as you were his... as you were saying, you know, it the the dialogue is really great. I mean, Schrader writes great dialogue, and you know, and Scorsese is always good in it. But yeah, the dialogue is a little rough. So I, I mean, I went through and I found about one of the few pieces of dialogue that we can actually play <laughs> on this show without so, the... without without having to bleep it. So yeah. go ahead. What you hit me in the face? What? And that kind of sums it up right there, actually. <laughs> he says, "I want play, you to hit me in the play, face." Play it again, <laughs> Nikki. Play it again. <laughs> Just for those guys Just who were driving. Hey, I missed it's so that. quick. Here we go. Yeah, we're gonna help it. Do me a favor. What you hit me in the face? What? <laughs> I want you to hit me in the face. What? <laughs> ah. oh. Oh. <laughs> And that does kind of sum it up because he basically eggs his brother on until his brother just, you know, bloodies his nose for him. And he just kind of stands there. 
and, and, and uh, Pesci's really crazy. And another yeah, he interesting, is good in it. Another interesting thing about it is that in so many of these movies where brothers have a falling out, they always come back, and there's the warm embrace at the end. This one doesn't have that. Which and it's a great line. You talk about some great dialogue. Um, he he sees him, and he, uh, De Niro sees him. You know, the Lamada character sees him from across the way. Sees him walking out of the store and goes over, kind of greets him. Brother don't want to have anything to do with it. Walks mm-hmm. on down the road. He's kind of following. He's like, "Why well, you're not going to talk to me? Come on, come on, we're brothers." Follows him to his car, <laughs> and um. And and makes him hug him, mm-hmm. you know, and then very and, uncomfortable, very man. uncomfortable. And then uh, then Apache says something like, "You want me to call the white kids? You don't do that in front of them." Making reference to the fact that he had come to his home and shamed him, beat him up in front of his uh, wife mm-hmm. and kids. Great line, great line. And, and another thing should be said. You remind me when I was we were talking about that scene is that uh, De Niro is so involved in this character. I mean, he kind of sort of put himself his own life on the line by gaining a lot of weight. To play the overweight Jake LaMotta. He's not wearing a fat suit. There I expected that was a fat suit. No. no really? It's not a fat suit. It is a real thing. He gained yeah. like 45 pounds, uh, put it all on to, to play that character. And we might add on the technique side that the production on this picture was a little top heavy. They did, I think, more shooting days in the ring than they did uh, on, location. on location for the rest of the narrative on the picture. They really went to town on the, uh, you know, they storyboarded it all out and everything. And the, that's what I really appreciate because it really shows in this picture. Scorsese made some pretty nice storyboards. Despite the fact what Michael Chapman says about storyboard artists uh, in his little commentary, because we all know he's made all those cinematic movies, you know. All those and, masterpieces uh, mean, like, without the aid of a storyboard artist. Right, like like Space Jam and, and uh, uh, what was Kindergarten Cop. Kindergarten Cop. Those are some really storyboarded movies there, Chapman. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you know. Thanks Man for slapping right. us around here because we know you've had to deal with a lot of storyboarder artists. Yeah, know? tough, tough business. We're talking about Raging Bull and Filmically Perfect on 91.3. Marty's storyboards are okay, though. That's what he says. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so he makes that one little allowance. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't really like storyboard artists, but Marty's storyboards are okay, though. He uses a storyboard artist, though, every time? Uh, Marty? Marty? No, he Scorsese. draws his own. They're really, he goes, they're so beautiful. I can just see him in front of Marty Scorsese. These storyboards are just so beautiful, Marty. Martin Scorsese they cool, draws but, uh, his own. Yeah. Interesting. There are a few directors who draw their own. Terry Gilliam draws his own storyboards. Oh, well, yeah, he would. John Sayles draws his own storyboards. Wow. Um, uh, Kur- uh, Kurosawa. Kurosawa did this. Really Kurosawa cool, painted man. his Those storyboards. They're amazing. Wow. Yeah. Well, we we like our story. So, you know, I'll let that slide here. there, Mr. Chapman. <laughs> <laughs> so, gentlemen, we're coming uh, close to the end, and it's time to uh, sort of talk about the relevance of this amazing movie, which is again, uh, let's let's coin a phrase, frame turner. That frame you know, turner, it's yeah. one of those that you sit down and you just really want to see the next, the next, the next, the next. It without question uh, creates the world that exists. Marty's in. great. Uh, you know, Robert De Niro is great. Thelma Schumacher is God. <laughs> <laughs> I was sucked in. I also, uh, by the way, after the initial sort of footage of him with the you know, opening titles and the beautiful music, and he's in slow motion, sort of going through the the warm up nice in the ring. Little title sequence in yeah, the beginning, yeah. Really all the nice. titles come up and uh, the wonderful music and. Um, but then, isn't the next scene of of the older version of him doing this yes. sta- a little snippet of the stand up? It's him doing, yeah. He's doing a little bit of his stand up thing, and this is late. This is after all the movie has has progressed and this is him trying his comeback in the 60s He's talking to the mirror which talking is to the mirror really gorgeous stuff That's probably one of De Niro's absolutely best efforts at forever mm-hmm. you know yeah very well done it's uh, without question sustains it 
got nominated for quite a few Oscars and actually One, won two. for Best Actor, right? Best Actor and Best Editing. Yes. Thelma Schumacher. Ah. Schumacher. Thelma Schumacher is God. I'm telling you. Schumacher. Yeah. So, yeah, and there's no, there's no point that you sort of flip out of it. You're just always there, right there, um, wanting to hear the next. Um, without, uh, I think that people will be watching this movie forever. I think they will. It's already going on, what, 20, 28 years old? Something like that, and um, it's still relevant. It's still fr- as fresh as the day, you know. Rule three. And even though it's a, here. oh, even though it's a black and white movie, people will still watch it. You know. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's nice. Black and white serves this movie so well. Except it's interesting. You know, there, there is the one we should mention. The little color section in there. There's a little montage of uh, that's right. His his Jake photographs and, at home. Jake and Vicky. There's their home movies, the which are in color. And, and Thelma Schumacher I didn't says even something. That. She has a very cool story where she said that she went to the theater to see it, and they had cut those sections out because they thought it was for wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Theaters the, edit movies. The back then she was, uh, you know, it's on the it's on the documentary. You can see it, but something to the effect that the projectionist had cut the color. Because they thought it was the wrong wrong movie. They sent us a bum print here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Great little scene though, where he's by the pool. But again, I don't know if they if they actually shot that in sixteen or what. But it does have the look of uh, old home movies, old Kodachrome, very nicely done. Yeah, I heard him. He said early on that that they took that feel from from the photographs of the promotional material at the time, and they absolutely delivered on that. Mm -hmm. It's just. Mm Just delightful all the way through. So, all right, I think we all agree without any uh, question that this is indeed a perfect movie. And I really love that you can that um, you get to see these characters at this time. And I'm also a huge fan of Goodfellas. By the way, is that on the? Mm. No, that probably is. Yeah. That I think I, I was thinking about that the other day. That in Casino, I can't remember. We had to check that vaunted list. You know. I guess yeah. I'll let Bud we'll get to, out of the closet upstairs. Yeah, give him a quick. We'll see. <laughs> Stick him in the hermetic tube and get him sent down here. Johnny um, two time. Johnny two time. Oh, I love that. I, lo- I used to do that when I was a kid. Say everything. Johnny twice. two time. Jim, two time. <laughs> so um, you get to see several of these characters turn back up, and I'm guessing since I'm not such a, a great student of uh, Scorsese's, but that that this happens over and over. I mean, obviously De Niro, um, but uh, but that these people weave themselves in and out. Oh, yeah. He picks somebody like like the editor and c- sort of stays well, with them. Even really great people. You know? Even his mom and dad His mom used to be in films. all of them. Both of them. And yeah. I love her scenes. In, in Goodfellas, she's great. Yeah, in Goodfellas, you know, it's the one where, you know, they, they go have dinner and, and what's oh, his name's in the trunk? Her and, mom and is just, I, I used to watch his movies just to watch her mom sometimes because his mom is so good. And know? he's like, I'm going to borrow this knife. Is that okay? Oh, that's fine. <laughs> no, okay. You just see her sitting there, you know, acting. She's thinking, my boy, I used to watch him, like, make coloring books, things, and making movies. And then here he is. He's making real movies, you know. And you could just see her thinking she's so proud of her boy. She's she's great in that. What's Mm -hmm. her history? Do you know? I mean, does she come from the performance or theater? Not that I know of. She's just an Italian mother. And they're, you know. That's part of the. I think that's part of the uh, the deal of being that's, an Italian mom. What is it? Is good fellas, good they go out and kill somebody and they stop by for a meal at mom's yep, house. He's and, in and the, the trunk. Frank she borrows the, trunk. The, <laughs> borrows the knife. Borrows the knife to finish him off. And they do that. They stab him with <laughs> yeah, it. I, I, I doubt his knife, mom. I remember that. Knife. I don't think she ever got that knife back. I don't think so. Yeah. I, I hope, you know what, I'm going to I'm gonna put in a plug for Goodfellas on that. I really, really enjoy that film. It's well, one we'll of those. We'll just have to go talk to Bud Enski and get him get that massive list out, and we'll just have to inspect it and audit and say, hey, yeah, yeah. There's a lot there. If you want a list, uh, um, almost, well, it's a full list of the movies that we reviewed so far. You can go to perfectmovie.net, and right there waiting for you is a list on the front page. And uh, what do you click on, George, that first button there? Uh, you mean to go to, to do what? 
to um, actually be able to see the full list in order. Oh, you click on the archive button. Okay. It's at the bottom of the first page. Right, there you and go. And, you, you know, we guarantee if you watch at least five of those movies, and people always go to the video stores and say, I have nothing to find or watch. Well, we got a whole list for you. Five of those movies will make you the biggest show off in any party. <laughs> Listen to our commentaries, copy us, send us a yeah, letter, we'll help to. you, and we can help you show off. <laughs> Biblically Perfect Fridays on the air on 91.3 WYSO at 12.30. You can also catch us at perfectmovie.net. We're on npr.org. We're on iTunes. And, of course, you can find the archived shows right there at perfectmovie.net. Shay Todd, thank you for being here. It's always my pleasure, Nikki Dakota. George Willeman, so nice to bask in your presence. Oh, punch me in the head. <laughs> Next time, see you here. Thank you for listening to an archival episode of Filmically Perfect. Please keep an ear out for new episodes of Filmically Perfect. Coming very soon to iTunes and hosted on our website, www.perfectmovie.net. See you, please.